All right, so we are uh, we are close to finishing James. We're in James chapter five. We're going to probably pick it up at. Uh, uh, I think we'll we'll pick it up in verse thirteen and fourteen and go through uh, eighteen, uh, Lord willing, and then we'll finish up. If we whatever we don't pick up this week, we'll pick up next week, and then pick up nineteen and twenty as well as we round out the chapter, and and the book. Um, I took a look at the, at the number of, of, uh, of uh, lessons we've gone through. Now, granted, a lot of our lessons have only been a, about a 30-minute uh, time frame because of our uh, the, the prayer time we have. Uh, but it's interesting. We've had 34 lessons, I believe, that are on the podcast that are specifically for James, which means that this has gone quicker than it did the first time I taught through James. Just wanted to let you know that in case you're wondering. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, will this ever end? Uh, and we're getting close. We're getting close. And um, so I want to just take a look at this, uh, starting verse 13, let's read through, uh, through verse 18. And in James chapter 5, it says, is any one of you troubled? Now, a better translation of that troubled is suffering. It's the same word you find in verse 10, where it's translated suffering. So if any of you is suffering, and we're talking about... Uh, either physically or uh, emotionally, mentally, or, or even spiritually, uh, he should pray. Is any of you happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will rise, raise him up, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. and He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about 13, and I just want to just touch on it, which I, I kind of already have. In fact, we talk about the fact that this idea of trouble really means afflicted or suffering from some very difficult circumstances. Uh, and, and so uh, along with that, we're talking about how God often transforms troubles into triumphs, if you want to take the tease. James 4, 6 says that he gives more grace. And there's a, an old song that says, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. Um, I I've, think that that's a true statement if we're looking for it. Sometimes when we don't look for it, we think that we're burdened more and that there is no grace for us. But God says He does provide grace. As Paul, um, Paul prayed that God would change his circumstances. You know, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, he prayed three times. Instead, God gave Paul grace that he needed to turn his weakness into strength. Sometimes, sometimes God wants us to uh, understand that because we're weak, we can be strong in him and in him alone. You know, it, it reminds me of uh, not only the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prays, um, but also uh, I'm reminded of, of, uh, of Gideon who, you know, has a huge number in the army and God keeps winnowing them down to the point where there's only about 300 that go up against tens of thousands of the enemy only to have them routed by God. 
they had they couldn't rely on their own strength. They had to rely on God's strength. And sometimes that's what God wants us to do is to understand that. Now, uh, he goes on to talk about the fact that, uh, that as Christians, we know that when we're suffering, we need to realize that God can give us songs in the night, Job uh, 35.10. And um, our singing ought to be an expression of our spiritual life. Uh, and our spiritual life says that we need to be willing to, to praise and do so intelligently. First Corinthians, which we're going to be getting into in about two weeks, uh, verse, chapter 14, verses 15 and 16 says, So what shall I do? Well, I will pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, and I will also sing with my mind. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can one find himself among those who do not understand, say, uh, understand, say amen to your thanksgiving, since he does not know what you're saying. He's talking about speaking in tongues and singing in tongues and praying in tongues. You need to have an interpreter is what they're saying here, is what Paul is saying. We'll get into that in the coming weeks. <clears throat> All right, so... Um, I don't think that starting in verse 14 through verse 16, I'm not sure that what God is doing here is giving us a blanket formula on how to heal the sick. Um, I, I've been in, I've been a pastor, as you know, and I've been called upon people to anoint them in oil and to pray over them with the elders. And uh, I think there's some things that are, that are prominent in this passage we need to look at. First of all, the person is sick apparently because of sin. Now, does that mean that all sickness is sin? No, no, we know that that's not the case. We know that from our own uh, experiences. We also know that from the Bible where, where Jesus, you know, the disciples say to, to Jesus, who sinned, this man or somebody else in John? And I'm looking desperately for my notes and I can't, of course, find them now. Um, so the issue is not that all sin, all sickness is sin, but sometimes sickness comes of sin. Remember, um, in um, Psalm uh, 32, um, Psalm 32, this is a psalm that David wrote as a result of the sin that he had with Bathsheba. And he goes, uh, uh, let's see, uh, here we go. In verse, uh, starting in verse one, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin God does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, in other words, when I did not repent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer, Selah. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquities. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and forgave the guilt of my sin, Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while, they may, while you may be found. Surely when mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place, and you will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. We'll stop there. The point that is made there in Psalm 32 is this. When we are in sin, 
often God brings about uh, sickness, whether it's mental or emotional or even physical sickness. So when that happens, we're told that uh, we need to uh, call for people to pray about for us. James is describing a church member who's sick because he's been he's being disciplined by God. In fact, if you remember, we're, again, we're not there yet. We're going to get into 1 Corinthians in a couple of weeks. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30, we're talking about uh, taking communion unworthily. And uh, in other words, with, with, uncon with unconfessed sin and the result of this, for this cause, many of you are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. In other words, sleep is, uh, is uh, code for uh, have died. So, so many are weak and sickly among you, and some of you have actually died as a result of the fact that you have sin in your life. So James is talking about this, and what he wants you to do in verse 16 is this, confess your sins. Um, I, there, are, you know, there are good reasons for doing all sorts of things. One of the things that I've always found fascinating is if you don't do this by rote, but you do it with thought, uh, the liturgy that many of our more traditional, modern, uh, you know, mainline churches do is absolutely glorious when they call for us to confess our sins publicly. And sometimes it's, you know, open prayer and people are, are just asking for God's forgiveness for the sins they've done. And so uh, in James uh, 5, 16, it says, confess your sins, therefore, one uh, to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's the literal translation there. Um, this is a word that is used, uh, the false uh, is actually sin is a better translation of that Greek word. So healing is uh, comes by the prayer of faith. It's not just the anointing, although I think the anointing is a, probably more symbolic, although perhaps in the early times, uh, oil was something that was used uh, for medicinal purposes. You'll remember uh, the uh, person who was uh, the, the, the Jewish man that was set upon by bandits and the uh, Samaritan came along, the good Samaritan. Uh, he poured wine on his cuts. Well, that's alcohol. He poured oil on him as well, known him with oil. The oil uh, keeps some of the dirt out of and helps to cover up the the, the, the wounds and so, somewhat protect them is the idea, at least from that standpoint during that time frame. So it's a medical term. So in other words, we're talking about having medical uh, technology being used of whatever is apparent at the time, uh, which would obviously be today a little more involved than just simply oil. But I think the anointing of oil is a good symbolic uh, application, if you will. In fact, I still have some anointed oil. It comes from the Holy Land that was pressed by uh, there and, and bottled. And, and uh, we bought some in, in one of my churches so we could use it for anointing. But it says it isn't the anointing that has it. It's the prayer uh, of faith. Now, here's the question. Whose faith? Is it the person who's ill or, or is it the person who's praying for him or people? Both. Both. Okay. I think that's probably true. But the prayer of faith is offered when you know what the will of God is. Now, here's the prayer of faith that we're talking about. 
What happens if you don't know what God's will is for somebody? You pray anyway. You pray. How do you pray then? According God's to your will heart. be done. Yeah. So God's will, will be done. Absolutely. Yeah. So there are times when we're asked to pray for someone, and there have been times that I've had to step very carefully around what I've been asked to pray for, because I've, I'm not sure that that's God's will, whatever that, that I'm asked to pray for. So I ask, uh, saying, God, if this is your will, we ask for this to happen. Um, you know, I don't always know how to pray. Paul, Paul was that way. In fact, Paul says in, in Romans chapter 8, um, verse 26, he says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Is it God's will to heal? Is God planning to call this child home? Uh, I don't know. Therefore, I have to pray, if it is your will, heal this person. Uh, th those who claim that God heals in every case and that it is not his will for his children to be sick, are, I think are denying both scripture and, frankly, our experience. There have been lots of times when I've not been healed the way I thought I should have been healed, or when in the time frame I thought I should have been healed. And there have been times I've prayed for people to be healed, and God has chosen not to do so. Does that mean that we're, we don't have enough faith? There are those that say that. I think they're wrong. I think that it's important that we understand that God wants us to pray and God wants us to, to be healed if it is his will. And here's the issue. Pray that God's will be done. It's the one time you can obviously always know that God will answer the prayer exactly the way it should be. So I think there's some practical lessons there that can be learned. And we're going to eventually get... If any of you printed off that sheet, we'll eventually get there. Um, first, disobedience to God can, can lead to sickness. We talked about that from Psalm 32. Secondly, sin of one person can affect the entire community. Remember the sin of Achan? Yeah. In the Old Testament, he, he, God says, I want everything in 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 Jericho to be basically an offering to me. I don't want you to take a thing out of there. And Aiken goes in there and goes, oh, that's a good looking suit, man. I, I would look stylish in that. So he takes it and he goes, there's a wedge of gold. I'll take that too, because it'll help. You know, feed the family a little better. And the next day or so, they go out to fight another town. And what happens? They lose the battle. And, you know, you got to imagine Joshua is kind of getting in God's face. What's the deal here? I thought you told me we were going to win. Why are we not winning? And God says, because you've sinned. Well, who sinned? Well, just one person. But it affected the entire community. So be careful. Sin can affect the whole of the community. The third point I would say this is there is healing. Sometimes it's physical healing. Sometimes it's spiritual healing when the sin is dealt with. Proverbs 28, 13 says this. Uh, he has made, uh, he that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them, that's he's referring to the sin, will find mercy. James is basically saying, and I'm paraphrasing this, make it a habit of confessing your sins to each other. Now, 
Here's the thing about confessing sins. You're not supposed to go into all the details. And then I did this. And then I did that. You're not supposed to boast about your sin. You're supposed to confess it. And here, here's another thing. Confession of sin needs to be done based upon the parameters in which the sin has been has, has happened. If it is a private sin, it needs to be confessed privately. If it's a public sin, it needs to be confessed publicly. But the idea is not to air our dirty linens just because we're supposed to confess our sins. Be careful about how we do it and when we do it. And sometimes there isn't, we don't need to know all the dirty details. Now, I will admit, I'm as curious as the next person. And when I hear about something, I want to know all the nitty gritty. But there are times when it's better that we don't. There are times when it can be more advantageous to cover the sin than to, than to blow it out of proportion and let everybody know about it. All right. Does that make sense? So we're talking about prayer that's both effective and powerful. And we're talking about praying over people. Um, the prayer of faith is, is not a prayer with wrong motives. Uh, in James chapter 4, it talks about the fact that some prayers aren't answered because they're, they're, they're prayed for with the wrong motives in mind. So we need to make sure that we do a prayer of faith. We're doing it with the right motives. God says he'll heal them if necessary. But it isn't always the case. What's, is there a connection between sin and sickness? Sometimes. Um, we've talked about this out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But then in John 9, we find out that there was a, a blind man who was sick, if you will, uh, as a result of not a, because of his sin and not because of his parents' sin, but it was because it was going to be for the glory of God. That God could display his, his glory in raising that man and in healing that man's blindness. All right, let's see what else. We're told to be doers of the word in, in James chapter 1, verse 22. We're told not to become doers of sin. Now, what, what happens if, if healing doesn't come the way we think it should? Ha, have the sin been unforgiven? The, if, if we ask God to forgive us our sins, does he choose not to sometimes to forgive us? No, he forgives you. He does. Oh, okay. Just like right. David's sin. God forgave David's sin. He didn't forgive the consequences. That's right. Sometimes you can't get away from the consequences. Sometimes God chooses to not give us the consequences. But in that particular instance, what happened? The baby died. You know? That was just that was just the start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then there was a, a problem Trump. with, oh, I don't know, his son taking over the, you know, uh, overthrowing David, David being kind of kicked out, if you will, and then eventually coming back. 
but the result of that is David's son had sexual relations with all, with all of David's wives or many of them, which by the way was a sin. He, was, he wasn't necessarily supposed to have all those wives, but he did. Here's what James is saying in this passage, I believe. He's, he stated that confidently that God will heal through prayer of faith. He makes no comment, however, about a prayer that does not result in healing, uh, which uh, with a text like this, it's obvious that sometimes you can come to the wrong conclusions, I think. The result of prayer is always dependent upon the will of God. That's James chapter four. Remember we talked about that? So healing, when, when Jesus came to heal, Remember the guy that, that is let down through the roof on a pallet? Remember mm -hmm. that? And, yep. and, and Jesus, you know, the, the Pharisees are there. They're watching what's going on. And Jesus says to the guy, your sins are forgiven. And, you know, and then he looks over and it's almost like he's talking to the Pharisees. I know you're wondering about whether or not I can forgive sins. But just so you know that I can also forgive sins. As, as easily as I can heal, he looks at the guy that's laying in the pallet, take up your bed and walk. <laughs> so you'll know. Healing it can be a sign of the completed saving work of God. He heals. Sometimes what the healing happens is spiritual. Now, in verse 16, I, I just want to touch on this. Uh, yeah, someone had a, a comment? Yeah, I was just going to say when they the, that whole process, uh, as you know, I mean, think of their faith. They dropped him down. They knew they had to get him there. They knew he was the Messiah. Um, yep. It takes a lot on the other end to believe yep. Uh, yep. for the healing. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of those things you need to be careful about. By the way, and I don't want to, I want to be very careful how I say this. Um, this passage is often used to say, well, there's, this should have a faith healer. I'm not sure that's what this passage says. I don't see faith healer listed. What I see is elders of the church listed as the people to call. So basically, we're talking about spiritually mature people that are going to be willing to call and pray over this. By the way, that all comes back to remember what is it Galatians uh, six? I think it is. Uh, I always get I always get my Galatians and Ephesians mixed up here. I think it's Galatians. That's it. We're talking about the broken arm thing, or yep, the broken That's arm it. thing. Six one. Six one. It says, uh, brothers, if if one of you is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual. In other words, you who are mature should restore him. And again, that's that whole idea of broken arm. It's setting a broken bone, which boy, if anybody ought to know about something like that, it's probably George. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and the result is that the healing of that broken bone is stronger. The healing, por healing portion is stronger than the bones around it. And that's what we're talking about here. Carry each other's burden and this way fulfill the law of Christ. All right. Uh, in verse 16, I was getting there in, in chapter uh, chapter five. Sorry, just my, here we go. Uh, I, 
Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray over each other so that you may be healed. The power of a, uh, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. There are those different denominations or different parts of our church, different streams of our church that use this to say that we need to confess our sins to, to the pastor, to the priest. Um, I'm not sure that's what it says here. It talks about each other. And again, it comes back to this. Uh, the more that we know about a person, uh, the easier it is for us to pray for them if we know what they're going through and their struggles are. I found an interesting passage here. There's uh, three or four points out of here. Uh, a, a parallel, if you will, between this verse about confessing our sins to one another and modern secular psychology. Um, most psychologists say that, that what is wrong with a person is we're not responsible for our sins, but we call them neuroses or problems. We fail to identify them as sins. But it's interesting that openly acknowledging our sin, the communication of one's inner life is basic for psychoanalysis and for other forms of verbal psychotherapy. Isn't it interesting? Confess, get it out there where it can be dealt with. Praying for one another uh, is what we're told to do. Um, secular psychology offers uh, group therapy, doctor-patient relations. Uh, are, are nothing, but nothing has the healing power that if you compare it to the prayer of God, the prayer to God, and the prayer that right the righteous people can have in praying over one another. So I think it's interesting. Sometimes we need to be careful about what we're doing. I'm not saying we shouldn't go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I'm saying that sometimes they're identifying things that are sins versus one to call them something else. Because why? Because no one wants to feel bad about ourselves. We all make mistakes, right? Isn't that what? My problem is that I want to call something a mistake and God wants to call it what? Sin. Oh, I don't like that word. I know. Most of us probably don't. That's, that's okay. the problem with Go, Dan. Uh, nah, I, I don't want to open up a can. I try to keep quiet as much as yeah, I can. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, um, that's why you have so much more and more, and COVID's brought it to the forefront, mental illnesses, because mm -hmm. people are, are, um, are, are ah, geez, I want to be careful here. Go for it. <laughs> No, <laughs> Tom, you might like my revelation also. <laughs> it's a little different. Um, we in this society where we're at today, and I can take this so many different levels, but let me just, when we deal with mental illnesses, so much of it is, is, is I want to say not so much, but a lot of it has to do with sin. Yeah. And we, but the problem is in the secular world, we don't understand it that way. We as well, believers. We want to admit it. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, people say, oh, you took prayer out of the school. Okay, those are all parts of it, but those aren't, aren't the reasons. You know, that, that's not the cause completely of it all. Um, you know, there's there's always the church within the church, even the Catholic church. You know, you could you could get help. You could get a lot more understanding than you ever would believe, even in a Catholic church. And I'm not Catholic here, but I'm just saying um, just because of, of how I was raised. But there's just... Um, uh, I, I think that um, sickness and disease is so tied into the mental state of one's person, you know, situation. And a lot has to do with sin. And I, yeah. Yep. I, I, I'm on your, I'm on your page, bud, brother. Um, I will say this. There is a, I, I've never done this, this course. There's a course in nutetic counseling that comes out of um, Lafayette, Indiana, but the gentleman who probably started it was a guy by the name of James Adams. Um, he is, um, um, he, he was a Presbyterian pastor who came up with the idea of nuthetic counseling. Nuthetic is the idea of spiritual counseling, Holy Spirit, nuthos, the spirit, the air, etc. And his concept is this, and I've, I've studied, I've, I've gone to even a couple of seminars from, with Jay, I'm sorry, I said John's, Jay Adams. Um, I went to a couple of his seminars and, and read some of his books. And basically what he does is, is this. They want you to be tested before you, you go to him for counseling, before you go to an aesthetic counselor. Often the counselor will say, I want you to be checked out by a doctor. I want to know, I want to make sure there's nothing wrong with you. Uh, physically, there's nothing wrong with you where you have uh, imbal chemical imbalances, that sort of thing that are, are causing issues. And uh, those have to be corrected before you can really get into a, a nutetic counseling. Sometimes, you know, as an example, uh, I believe... How do you spell that, Val? Nutetic? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, hang on. Let's see if I can quickly put my hands on a, my, one of my books. It's, uh, I think it's, it's either N, I think it's it, N. New oh, I found it. I, I found it here. It's, it's, found it, it's, okay. Yeah. It's N-O-U-T-H-E-T-I-C. Now, it's not perfect. Just like everything we create that, that are men are not, uh, and women are not necessarily perfect. Humans are, are imperfect is how we do it. But it's an interesting take on things. And I think that what happens is, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, my, one of my daughters had an eating disorder. And it became apparent eventually what happened. What happened is, I think, some spiritual issues that needed to be dealt with that weren't. And it became a problem because it, it affected her physically and then it affected her mentally and, and, and her brain was not working right until you could correct the nutritional issues. You couldn't deal with the spiritual issues and the psychological issues, there, you know, and so you had to, we had to, we had to deal with that first. That had to be, that had to happen before that, before anything else could happen. So sometimes it can be a combination of things. It can be both physical, 
mental, as well as spiritual. And sometimes you have to deal with one before you can deal with another. You get it early on, you can obviously you could have dealt with this from a, a spiritual and maybe a mental issue. Eventually, it had to be dealt with physically, getting her to a point where she was again physically starting to gain weight again, and and finally being her right mind. I mean, there's a whole year. How this girl graduated, you know, with all the honors she did, straight A's. Well, she had one class that didn't get an A in. Uh, that's because the teacher said, I don't believe in giving A's, but uh, that's a whole other story. Uh, but mm -hmm. she, she pulled all A's that that year, and I she doesn't hardly remember the year at all. Amazing how that happened. But anyhow, as we close this out, what I want to say is nuthetic counseling can be a very big help to people. It should not be done alone. It's not a, a cure-all. It is, again, one of those other tools. It's like having a toolbox with lots of things in it. And if you're in aesthetic counsel and you go through the program, you really should have people checked out before they come to you for spiritual help to make sure that it isn't something that's a physical problem or uh, uh, an imbalance in your system that needs to be corrected. So that being said, um, God wants us to be healed. God wants us to be healed spiritually. And sometimes he wants us to be healed physically as well if it's done to bring glory and honor to him. So that being said, guys, we'll finish our, our time here. We'll finish up next week the last couple of verses that we have in James chapter 5. And hopefully the following week we'll start in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. We'll start again with an intro and then we'll dig into the, the, the book itself in the weeks to come. And we are now 